Have a great show. Right, Thanks for watching us here on The Hill. Leland is next. Tonight, send in the guard. A Massachusetts town asked the National Guard to restore order. I usually will wait until after school to go to the bathroom. Why would anyone want to be a teacher in America these days? Conspiracy theory turned science. A massive new study finds major health risks with the COVID-19 vaccine. What happened to all those banned and canceled for talking about it? Get tough. America is back. America is back. America is back. President Biden's foreign policy decisions leave our allies on the brink of disaster. How playing it safe with Ukraine and Israel has only made the world more dangerous. And get smart. The FBI gets played by Russia again. Can the G-men get their mojo back? Welcome to the Ferris Show on television. First tonight, this is a real problem for society. Nobody is signing up to be a police officer or a teacher anymore in America. The two most basic roles of service in our society are unfilled right now. And who can blame anybody who doesn't want to sign up? What teacher, what police officer would tell their children to sign up for their profession? We've talked a lot about cops and the problem with recruitment on this show, but let's focus specifically on teachers right now. They're underpaid, overworked, and now the pronoun police all for an average starting salary of $42,000 a year. They work about 40, 53 hours per week during the year. That's $15 per hour. Plus, a lot of teachers we know spend a lot out of their own pocket just to be able to operate their classrooms. So compare that to some jobs that only require a two-year degree. Fire marshals make $82,000, dental hygienists $79,000, air traffic controllers, web developers. They're all paid far more than America's teachers, the people who grow America's next generation. And on top of everything that teachers face, including low pay, it's dangerous. An hour south of Boston in Brockton, Massachusetts, things are so dangerous. One school, and we did not make this up, we double-checked this, they want to bring in the National Guard. I know that the first thought that comes to mind when you hear National Guard is uniform and arms. Uh, and that's not the case. There are people like us, they're educated, they're trained, and we just need their assistance right now. Last time we saw guardsmen near a school, it was Arkansas in 1957. But we might need the guard again. Social media turns school fights into must-see TV. They happen daily. That school in Massachusetts has a huge violence problem, a huge drug problem, a huge sex problem. Especially when it comes to fighting, gets put on social media to get likes. Brown University study reports interest in the profession of teaching is down 50% since the 1990s. The number of new entrants is down by a third over the past decade, and nearly half of all teachers don't believe the stress of the job is worth it. Who can blame them? When I graduated college, it was pretty in vogue for upper middle class and wealthy kids to go do Teach for America. They spent a couple of years living in an apartment paid for by mom and dad in downtown Boston, and it made for a great law school or medical school essay. Even that doesn't appeal to anyone anymore. Last year, Teach for America placed its smallest number of first-year teachers in schools in the least past 15 years, fewer than 2,000, half as many in 20, as 2019, a quarter of the size 
of a 6,000-member incoming class a decade ago. Robert Pondicio taught fifth grade in the Bronx. He's now a senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. We're glad to have you, sir. Thank you. Why don't you quit teaching? Oh, wow. Um, I used to say that teaching is the easiest job in the world to do badly uh, and the hardest job in the world to do well. And, and this wasn't even counting some of the factors that you just described in, in, in that lead up. Um, you know, and, and after five years, I mean, I signed up for two years. I taught for five. And I remember thinking to myself after five years, because it was such a challenging job, I, I remember thinking I'd become the person that I signed up to replace. Um, it is a damn hard job. Forget my language. Such has been made about the pay. There was a piece in the Washington Post uh, by Daniel Pink. Uh, Why not pay teachers $100,000 a year? One mark of a winning idea, he writes, is that by offering something for everyone to hate, higher taxes would enrage conservatives, reduce job security for public employees, would infuriate liberals so far so good. We found with police uh, that higher pay does not lead to more recruitment numbers. There's something else happening that means people don't want to be a cop. Is that true for teachers as well? Yeah, it's, it's really challenging. I mean, nobody should begrudge teachers higher pay. On the other hand, uh, let's be blunt, you know, the American public school system uh, at large for the last 50 years has not crowned itself in glory. In other words, usually where there's higher pay, there's higher expectations. So the, the, the difficulties of the classroom environment notwithstanding, it's not like uh, we're seeing teachers knock it out of the park in terms of academic results. I mean, you know, we've had, you know, 50 years, I've said this for a long time, that, you know, the, the reading scores, the, there's, a, there's a test called NAEP, the National Assessment of Educational Progress, you know, the, the, the nation's report card, as it were. Well, for 50 years, it looks like a dead man's EKG. It's, it's hardly budged. So um, I, I'm all for paying teachers more, but I'm also, you know, in favor of, of, of wanting to see some results for that investment. Yeah, I know you've written a book, uh, How the Other Half Learns a Quality Excellence in the Battle Over School Choice, a quality being very different than equity, which is, I know is a point that you make. But I'm wondering if the the issue here, when you tie the problem with teachers and police officers together, is not a a different problem that that is higher up in the the tree in society, if you will. Um, And that uh, adults are being taught, right, you don't have to obey the law. Uh, therefore, it's pretty easy to understand why people don't want to be cops anymore. And at the same time, kids are being taught over and over, you don't have to obey the teacher, and people don't want to be teachers anymore. No, I, I think you're onto something there. I mean, uh, everything in education, there's, no, there's, there's nothing new under the sun. It's like a pendulum. Mm-hmm. Things go back and forth. And, and one of the things that swings back and forth is our attitudes as a profession about uh, school discipline. So you alluded to this in the lead up 20 years ago when Teach for America was the coolest thing for elite college graduates to do. We had a very different mindset about uh, about student discipline back then. There there was a great fashion for these so-called no excuses schools with high discipline, school uniforms, lots of rules and regulations. Well, in the last couple of years, that's fallen out of fashion. Now you hear talk about restorative justice, the school to prison pipeline. You hear reports that say, look, when kids get suspended or disciplined, they tend to drop out. They tend to not persist in school. Um, you know, there, there's a acres of daylight in between these two extremes. 
But I think it's safe to say that right now that pendulum is too far to, 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 to one side where schools are becoming increasingly unsafe. Look, no, no kid can learn in a chaotic environment. It's not just about violence. It's about, you know, are the conditions there, there for learning? Yeah. All of this. I, I know you study point. this. At, you study this a lot at AEI, and I think it's important because we hear so often from the teachers unions and from others about how they're, they're looking out for minorities. We heard from the education department, uh, everything is about equity on and on and on. And I think, and based on the title of your book and the work that you've done, that this teacher shortage really affects the poorest and disadvantaged kids the most. No question, no question. Um, I mean, you know, I, I taught the South Bronx for several years. I taught in a Harlem charter school for on and off for years after that. Um, you know, the, the, the kids' home lives come into schools. It's that simple. Um, so when you're talking about kids who, through no fault of their own, you know, grow up under, under difficult circumstances, you know, broken homes, high crime neighborhoods, high poverty, et cetera, it's naive to think that those, those problems aren't going to manifest themselves in, in classroom behavior. Um, I mean, back to your earlier point, paying teachers more, uh, more salaries, while not necessarily a bad thing, doesn't solve those problems. Um, yep. And the, the other, the elephant in the room that we haven't discussed is COVID. I mean, I can't tell you how many teachers have told me in the last couple of years, look, something just broke during during COVID, mm. where kids got the habit of attending school. And, and it's almost as if, you know, they have to relearn what it's like to conduct themselves in a classroom. Uh, this, this, there's, there's myriad problems here, and it's yeah. going to take a long time for us to find our way out. Uh, there's a lot of people who also have to relearn how to live their lives and interact in offices and other things. It's not just for kids. Um, Robert, thank you. We appreciate it. You brought up COVID. That's actually where we're headed right now, a transition we didn't even plan. It turns out all the banned discussions about the COVID-19 vaccine side effects, all the things you couldn't talk about on social media, certainly couldn't talk about on television. Well, all of those banned conversations had some truth to them. The largest multi-country study to date now shows very rare but potentially very serious side effects of the vaccine, especially those from Johnson & Johnson and Moderna. Things like a higher risk of heart-related inflammation, increased risk of blood clots in the brain, increased risk of a syndrome, neurological disorder, in which the immune system mistakenly attacks the peripheral nervous system, which is uh, unfortunate for those who have it. This segment isn't about the vaccine. People can and should make their own decisions. Somebody who was vaccinated and boosted and almost died of COVID, I got the vaccine. Evidence suggests that the shots saved millions upon millions of lives. But it's now clear politics and virtue signaling took the place of science during the pandemic, during the conversation about the vaccine. We're still America's elite, the media and politicians and business leaders banned legitimate concerns and even scientific discussion. During the COVID-19 pandemic, health misinformation has led people to resist wearing masks in high-risk settings. It's led them to turn down proven treatments and to choose not to get vaccinated. Our biggest concern here, and I frankly think it should be your biggest concern, is the number of people who are dying around the country because they're getting misinformation that is leading them to not take a vaccine. So when I see people in this country because of the divisiveness in our country, of not getting vaccinated for reasons that have nothing to do with public health, but have to do because of divisiveness and ideological differences. As a physician, it pains me. 
Dr. Brett Gerard is here, former Assistant Secretary for Health, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. It's good to see you, Admiral, as always. Upon reflection, do a lot of Americans and people who are concerned about the vaccine deserve an apology? Absolutely. I, I believe they do. Uh, we approach this. You, you have to be open with people. We knew very early on that there was an increase in the heart inflammation, myocarditis, much more with a couple of the vaccines versus Pfizer. But this very large study of about 100 million people shows that there are rare neurologic effects. There are rare immune effects and there are the, the heart inflammation. And uh, these are legitimate concerns. We have to be open with people that you know, if you're 70 years old or 75, um, yeah, and, and that risk, you should be getting the boosters. But if you're 25 and healthy, particularly a male, and you've had COVID before, that risk of myocarditis is about the same or maybe even a little bit higher than your risk of having a serious outcome. So, yes, people deserve an apology. I think uh, open, honest scientific discussion was mm -hmm. crushed. And even I myself uh, had a tweet uh, banned uh, because I simply stated the fact proven by data that those who are naturally immune who had COVID should not lose their jobs, should not need passports, should not need other things because they were equally immune as those who got the vaccine in the Delta outbreak. It's, it's stunning to me always the the banning and sort of the the stifling of free speech because it was the the ideas were somehow scary to the orthodoxy or somehow uh, took away the power of the of the institutions to that end uh, was so much trust lost uh, in in our institutions and in public health cdc and nih seem to just be doubling down um, in their arrogance nope we weren't wrong no we were completely right misinformation is this huge problem why do you think they refuse to learn and apologize to what is always a pretty forgiving American public? You know, I, I think there's some pathology there because one of the first principles of, uh, of being a physician, as I am, is to be honest with your patient and to respect their autonomy. You provide the best information you can and you let them make a decision. We're not in a paternalistic society where we force people to have an operation or force people to take vaccines. We give them the information, and that is, I think, the most important lesson that public health officials need to learn. Get back to basics. Tell the truth. Be honest. American people are smart. They can handle the truth. Don't try to whitewash it or coerce people, as Dr. Fauci clearly did on a num number of occasions, and let Americans make their own decision. Um, I was banned. I, I was surprised to learn that it was a former FDA commissioner, but who was then uh, a board member of Pfizer, getting me banned for simply saying that natural immunity is powerful. That's how deep and corrupt the system goes. Wow. Yeah, I remember those times. They were wild. Memoir of the Pandemic is your book. Um, and I think it's really important uh, that you go into these issues, you deal with them honestly. You've been one of the people from the very beginning, um, I think, who had the courage to say, hey, we don't know what we don't know, which uh, unfortunately came very difficult to so many people uh, to say. Good to see you, Admiral, as always. Thank you. Coming up next, President Biden wipes away more student debt. This was him earlier in Los Angeles. How many votes does $1.2 billion buy? $1.2 billion of your money, by the way. And Beyonce proves once again that country music really is colorblind. Maybe somebody should tell the Washington Post. This ain't taxes. Ain't no holding. 
pay, though, has become so burdensome. A lot of people can't even repay, and they try. They, they don't miss payments. They work like the devil every month to pay their bills. But even they pay their loans, their debt increases, doesn't diminish because of interest rates. And I thought I'd make a lot more sense to relieve student debt for families and, and it would grow our economy. President Biden continues his tour of deep blue states. Today in Los Angeles, he announced the mass forgiveness of student loan debt owed to us, the taxpayers. $1.2 billion in student loan debt forgiven for 150,000 borrowers. A total now of $138 billion of student loan debt forgiven by President Biden for 3.9 million borrowers, all of which has been done through executive action. Our representatives in Congress do not have a say on whether or not we give up all of that debt as taxpayers. President Biden sent out an email. Congratulations, your student loan has been forgiven. He goes on to add, I hope this relief gives you a little more breathing room. And for a lot of Americans with student loans, it certainly does help a lot, especially for one demographic. Black Americans owe more than any other single demographic group. African-Americans is a demographic President Biden needs help with. He's losing support among black voters, down 16 percentage points compared to 2020, especially with black males. Lauren Wright's here, Associate Research Scholar, Lecturer in Politics, Public Affairs at Princeton University. Do people remember the free stuff you give them? Not in the way that we think they do, but it might really make them angry. I mean, truthfully, Leland, if I were to assign my public policy students to design a policy that potentially makes the most people mad and reaps the fewest rewards, student loan debt forgiveness would be an excellent example of that. I don't understand this. These are the voters that would have supported Biden anyway, and they make up a sliver of the electorate and don't always turn out to vote. All right. So in in other words, you're saying that the the Young progressives, especially African-Americans, would be Biden voters anyway. This isn't going to motivate them to the polls. But you said this would turn an enormous number of people against him. Why? Yes, because the majority of Americans do not have a college degree. We always forget this. And so that includes the majority of black voters. That includes the majority of young voters. You know, Biden, when we talk about turnout rates and young voters in particular, They dropped precipitously from 2018 to 2022. Why? Well, for young voters, Trump wasn't there as an energizing factor. And so it's probably less likely that they're going to get out to the polls to say, thank you so much. They might have done that anyway because they're angry with Trump and they want to express their vote in that way. All right. So the the argument, I guess, here would be that with Donald Trump on the ballot to energize those voters, this is a nice carrot. Uh, This was covered on, of all things, The Daily Show. Take a listen. This idea that President Biden campaigned and made so many promises to black voters, but did not deliver on those promises. Hmm. Like what? Student loan debt is one issue that comes up quite a bit. Because I'm looking at the fact that now I got a bill that I got to pay that I barely can make ends meet to pay. (laughs) So it's like, what did you really do? So for those of you at home hoping for a humorous report from The Daily Show, that was the Daily Podcast on The New York Times, which is slightly less humorous in this. 
Can we link, though, President Biden's unpopularity, that 16 percent drop among African-Americans to things like student loan forgiveness? Or is there something else to equate for that? Well, no, voters in all groups care a lot about the economy. They're still upset about inflation. They're still upset about crime. And they're still upset about what's going on on the border. You know, this is really uncomplicated stuff. And student loan forgiveness, when we poll about it, yeah, the majority of people people say, okay, I'm fine with it. When you tell them they have to pay for it, they're not as okay with that anymore. It's just a very tough argument to make why we should redistribute wealth from the working class to elites, which is exactly what this is. It's regressive. It's unfair. And I don't know why Republicans aren't shouting it from the rooftops. Well, never underestimate Republicans' ability to screw things up. You and I have yes, talked about that. Yes, we always say that. that. We, we, we've got We've got that a little later in the show. Um, uh, the latest example that is, <coughs> pardon me, how much of this, though, and to be fair, you, you've been on the forefront of this, the realignment of the parties. Uh, President Biden, it Democrats is. are becoming the, the party of elites and of edu- the educated suburban class. And Republicans are working class voters, even if they may be those of color. That's exactly right. And so the, the part of this problem that makes people very angry is that college-educated voters will have higher incomes on average than non-college-educated voters, and they're in the best position to pay those loans back. Half of outstanding student loans are medical school, law school, and business school. Those people make a lot of money on average. And so Biden does not have a young voter problem. He has a working-class swing voter problem, and this is only going to make those folks shy away from him rather than draw them in. Yeah, especially if Republicans talked about that rather than talked about banning uh, IVF and fertility treatments in Alabama. We'll have that later in the show. Lauren, thank you very much. Yeah, it would be. It's not something Republicans are quite disciplined enough to do. Friday, we're going to be in South Carolina talking to voters and both campaigns on balance 7 p.m. Eastern in South Carolina ahead of the primary there. Saturday, special coverage of the primary as the results come in starting at 7 p.m. Easter. It only took about eight months, but the race baiters over at the Washington Post got proven wrong once again. Beyonce, of all people, just hit number one on the Billboard's Hot Country Songs chart with her song, Texas Hold'em. She's now the first black woman to ever achieve that. This ain't Texas. Ain't no Hold'em. Lay our cards down, 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 down. Must come as a huge shock to Washington Post reporter Emily Yair. We asked her to come on tonight, as we have a number of times when we've discussed her reporting. She's always too busy reporting some other story to join us and discuss it. Last summer, Yair called country music fans racist and homophobic in a piece about Luke Combs. Quote, although there are many thrilled to see Fast Car, that's the song that Combs took to the number one singles chart back in the spotlight and a new generation discovering Tracy Chapman's work. It's clouded by the fact that as a black queer woman, Chapman 59 would have almost zero chance of that achievement herself in country music. To be fair, that piece didn't age well from the moment it got printed. And of course, Combs and Chapman got the last laugh when they sang together at the Grammys. I 
people loved it. Somehow, Luke Combs and Tracy Chapman proved something good about America. And it's no surprise. Country music proves a lot of good things about America. It's why 45% of America listens to country music. It's not just people who grew up in flyover country like I did. America's changing. The values and sensibilities of rural America now appeal to suburban America. Just ask Beyonce, something the Washington Post hasn't figured out. Next, it's a presidential election year, so obviously the FBI needs to be involved in another major screw-up. Why do America's top crime stoppers keep getting played by Vladimir Putin? Mr. Smirnoff's uh, allegations about Ukrainian Burisma payments to Joe Biden were uh, concocted uh, along with Russian intelligence. Tired of late night politics? Excuse me, if I just want to laugh just a little. Stay up all evening with Antenna TV and enjoy your favorite classic sitcoms. Designing Women. You're kidding! Oh, be still my heart. Becker. Check out the Hippocratic Oath. It doesn't mention nice. Wings. I'm laughing already. Classic comedy all day, all night on... This is an important message from the Mine Safety and Health Administration. Mining fatalities, accidents, and injuries are preventable. Taking a minute to approach your task safely can protect you and your fellow miners from injury and death. Staying alert and focused can keep you safe. Do it safe. Do it right. Whether buckling a seatbelt or securing equipment, these quick safety measures can prevent injuries and fatalities. Take time. Save lives. For more resources, visit MSHA.gov. Retirement can be scary, but only if you're not prepared. That's why AARP created ThisIsPretirement.org. Because unless you've already retired, you're in pretirement and you still have time to plan. Learn about retirement savings options, potential tax breaks, and how you can build savings over time. Visit ThisIsPretirement.org for free resources to help you customize your action plan and feel the retirement fear disappear. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. I just got a text asking me to approve a bank transfer I didn't make. I bet you get messages like this, too. So much of our lives are online today, from email to banking and everything in between. To make sure my information was protected, I checked out CISA's Secure Our World website for simple steps to stay safe online. Now I know how to protect myself from scammers, and you can learn, too. Go to CISA at CISA.gov forward slash Secure Our World. You're listening to On Balance with Leland Vitter on News Nation, America's fastest growing cable news network. Life is full of moments, including difficult and disruptive ones like a cancer diagnosis, which is why the groundbreaking work of Stand Up to Cancer is so vital. They bring together top minds from different fields to find new and better treatments so patients can thrive. Please join Stand Up to Cancer and Myrtle Beach to help families get back to where they belong, making new memories for years to come. Go to StandUpToCancer.org to see how you can join the mission. Grandpa, look what I got. Wait till you see the bike we got for Jake. It is the coolest thing. Hearing loss happens gradually with age, making it easy to ignore. Yet most older Americans aren't getting their hearing tested. Can you hear me? Untreated hearing loss can keep your loved ones from enjoying what they cherish most. Don't let that happen. 
should speak up about hearing loss. You'll be glad you did. Brought to you by the American Speech-Language Hearing Association. At First Tee, we are building game changers. We believe all kids deserve to feel excited to grow, safe to fail, and better equipped for whatever comes at them next. We do this by helping them develop their golf swing, but more importantly, their inner strength. First Tee coaches help young people ages 7 to 18 navigate the course, as well as guide them through new challenges in life. Because we know what's inside doesn't just count, it changes the game. Learn more at firsttee.org. Hunter Biden whistleblower and FBI informant Alexander Shmimrov can once again hit the Las Vegas Strip as he did. A judge ordered him to be released awaiting trial on making false statements to the FBI. Shmimrov uh, surrendered both his U.S. and Israeli passport after the DOJ special prosecutor looking into Hunter Biden arrested him on false statement charges for saying a Ukrainian company bribed Hunter Biden to get to his father. This much is crystal clear because there's a lot of things that are very uh, unclear and kind of bizarre about this case. Mimrov is no James Bond. He's a little bit more like Austin Powers. Allow myself to introduce myself. My name is Richie Cunningham, and this is my wife, Oprah. Hmm. In the end, Mimrov admitted to peddling information from Russian intelligence to the FBI. They even paid him for it. That is, the FBI paid him. Maybe the Russians did, too. We don't know. Smimrov was a paid informant for the FBI for 14 years. And he played the FBI like Christopher Steele or maybe even Whitey Bulger did before him. Former CIA state operations officer, also formerly of the FBI, Tracy Walder, is with us. Now, there's two parts to this, right? One is that Republicans base their entire uh, case against Joe Biden on this this account. But the other part of this is how the FBI handled this guy and employed him for 14 years. Is there any other explanation other than the FBI really screwed up here? In my opinion, no. I mean, I think there needs to be a thorough damage assessment done because I don't think that it's just isolated to Hunter Biden, quite frankly, and all of the Burisma connections. I think there may be more in terms of disinformation and wrong information that he has purposely given them. And this is hugely problematic because what it tells me is that the FBI didn't test their source and they didn't vet their source properly. And had they probably done so, this could have been avoided because really this is what everyone is quite frankly hanging their hat on in regards to Biden's impeachment. Right. So that's the political side of this. But what I can't figure out about the FBI is we went down this path before in 2016 with Crossfire Hurricane, right? This was the whole point with Carter Page and everybody else of of the FBI just buying hook, line, and sinker uh, what was being put out by the Russians. In that case, it was against Donald Trump. In this case, it's against Joe Biden. But boy, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. How did the FBI not learn? I think part of the problem is the culture there. The FBI is a law enforcement organization, right? That is their job to gather evidence and then ultimately convict somebody for a crime. The problem is, is that and counterintelligence doesn't necessarily jive together. And the people that you're attracting as special agents don't necessarily want to go the counterintelligence route. When I was there, there was only one squad that did it in the entire United States. And there were eight of us. That's it. Obviously, there's more now. But the reality is, is that's not necessarily the type of work that people at the FBI Hmm. are wanting. We also have to remember they were not even cleared to the SCI level, special compartmented information, which is handling human assets, 
everyone was not cleared until really 2006, 2007. So it's actually relatively new that the FBI has been dealing with this. I'm not excusing them. They need to get it together. But you also have Charlie McGonagall, who's now serving prison time, who was their director of counterintelligence. And so they have massive internal problems as well in terms of really recruiting good agents that want to work this issue. Yeah, look, it's also hard. It's also hard to figure out why you'd want to go work for the FBI. We started the program. Why would you want to go work as a teacher, a police officer? But why do you want to go work for the FBI when they keep um, getting it wrong in this way? There is a theory out there, right, on conservative Twitter and among some in, in very conservative media that this is nothing more than the DOJ trying to protect President Biden and silence any future whistleblowers. And everything this guy said was true about Hunter Biden, but the DOJ is charging him to throw everybody off the case. You've read the document. Um, We've put it out on War Notes. It's worth reading um, sort of as the FBI and DOJ goes through how they screwed up. Is there any way to plausibly make the case that conservatives are making? In my opinion, no. I understand where they're coming from, but the reality is, is actually this is very typical Russian fashion. I'm not at all surprised that the Russians were doing this. You know, we associate Putin with being this like, assassin, right? And he is, don't get me wrong, but also one of the things that they are brilliant at are psyops and meddling in our elections, and that's what they want to do. And this was their way of meddling in our election, and we just really forget that they play this psychological long game. So in my opinion, it has all the hallmarks of a Russian psychological campaign. Well, so it goes back, right? This was the Russian playbook. They did this in the 60s and 70s when they pushed leftist organizations in America and supported them and, and got into the counter, you know, the revolutionary Black Panther movement. Um, and then you you go all the way through uh, the 1980s, 1990s, then you uh, how they tried to involve themselves in the 2016 uh, elections. Now, the 2020 elections, it, it all it all makes sense. I guess I and you've you've answered it. It's come back to that. The FBI just hasn't hasn't learned. They just got <laughs> hooked like a fish. Um, all right, Tracy, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Excellent perspective. Thank you so much for having me, Leland. Yeah, yes, ma'am. Coming up next, President Biden's foreign policy playbook proves what every football fan in America already knows. We'll show you why a prevent defense, why not going all in or trying to play it safe, never works. Cash, thanks to India. We sanction Russian oil. So the Russians turn and sell it to India, who refines it and sells it back to the United States. We are unserious about taking on Vladimir Putin. It's been more than 700 days since Putin invaded Ukraine. And America still isn't all in. We give Ukraine just enough weapons to bleed Russia, but not to beat them, because we are afraid of escalation. Same thing in the Middle East. The Iranian-backed Houthi rebels in Yemen fire daily on U.S. Navy ships, And we bend over backwards to declare strikes in Yemen self-defense, but refuse to hit the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps inside Yemen. Walid Ferris is here, foreign policy expert, author of Iran, imperialist republic and U.S. policy. Good to see you, Walid. Thank you. We appreciate it. I think about the last two times America Mm -hmm. wasn't all in in a war, both Vietnam and Afghanistan. Is that the road we are going down once again? It appears that this is the road, but I'm concerned it's more than this road. It's actually multiple roads going nowhere. I see chaos, especially this year, since we abandoned Afghanistan to the Taliban. That's the beginning of that chain of collapse. And then, of course, what happened 
in Gaza, we didn't have a clear policy. We pressured the Saudis and the Emirates. You just mentioned now the Houthis, who were fighting the Houthis for us. We pressured them. We delisted the Houthis from the terror list. It's all of that kind of chaos that concerns me because now in the last year of this administration, every other rogue force in the world or anti-American force in the world is is, you know, is doing whatever they want. They know that this administration is not going to respond. And let me conclude on one thing, Leland. One of the reasons for why we are not responding is because some of us from financial interests have transactions. They have transactions with the uh, Iran. Uh, they have transactions with the, uh, Af- you know, with, uh, with the Afghan Taliban. Well, with the, well the, look, with the Russians, I think with the Russians as well, uh, you think about that. Um, Waleed, I, I'm wondering if we lost your microphone. With, yes, I, I, I remember that we had a conversation, but that was a long time ago, when former President Barack Obama met with the, the prime minister of Russia. He told him on the microphone, of course, the microphone was hot, wait until I finish my presidency, then I'll be flexible. So the relationship with, with Russia are not one of ideological firm relationship like the Reagan years. It's, you know, contracts and transactions. Huh. Yeah, it's interesting because the foreign policy brain trust, which comes from the Obama administration right now, you have Jake Sullivan, National Security Advisor, Victoria Nuland at the State Department, Antony Blinken, Secretary of State. They have this idea that they can calculate everything just right. So they do enough uh, that it bleeds and it hurts and it sounds good at Washington cocktail parties, but it doesn't actually lead to any kind of escalation. Um, but the bad bad boys of the world, uh, Iran, Russia, China, all all sort of see that uh, as weakness, and understandably so. Is there any difference in the policy that you see of slow rolling weapons to Ukraine, not putting full sanctions on Russia? And you make a good point. You put full sanctions on Russia, gas prices in the United States go up. That's a that's a political consideration um, for for the White House. Uh, same with going after Iran. Uh, gas prices go up and there's political considerations. You have to admit you pull out of the Iranian nuclear deal. Have you seen anything, and, and to be fair to the administration, have you seen anything that shows that what they're doing is being successful? Look, I am fair in the sense, as a historian, I would say if this administration in the last seven months of its political life changed course, I'll support. There's no problem. We're not coming from a political partisan perspective, but there's failure all the way. With Russia, for example, we knew from the beginning that Russia will be supported by China, will be supported by India, and by the whole coalition they have all the way to Brazil. There should have been different strategies. They have never tried, for example, to engage in moving the Russian people. The Russian youth do not want to go into extreme nationalism and not. They want our way of life. We have never engaged them. That's number one. In Iran, it's even worse. You and I discussed it many times. We missed three times the opportunity to connect with the Iranian civil society was rising. And that's why we are not able to achieve any result with the Iranians, because we connect to the Iran deal. And the Iran deal is a lot of money that comes back to the West. And many interests do not want us to escalate and finish that confrontation with the Iran regime or with the Houthis in the South. Uh Yeah, I think about the the flip side in terms of how Israel, for example, is dealing with Hamas, where they are are all in. Um, well, I think you've written about it in your book so many times that a inferior fighting force that is all in, whose political echelon is all in, as the Russians are, 
um, oftentimes beats the, the superior force whose political echelons are not all in. Waleed, it's good to see you. Uh, thank you very much, as always. We appreciate the time. Thank you so much, David. Yeah, thank you. Back to domestic politics, where Republicans have done the impossible. They have figured out a way to make the abortion issue worse for Republicans. Yes, it has gotten worse. How Alabama opened up a political Pandora's box when we come back. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Are you stupid or something? Stupid is or stupid does, sir. Are you crazy? Or just plain stupid? Stupid is stupid does, Mrs. Blue. I guess. Republicans in Alabama have gone full Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump was from Alabama. And that statement now fully applies to Republicans in the state. Stupid is as stupid does. We often say never underestimate Republicans' ability to screw things up. Well, even we did not expect how utterly stupid Republicans in Alabama could be. The Alabama Supreme Court, controlled by Republicans, just ruled embryos from fertility treatments are unborn lives. In Alabama, now frozen embryos sitting in liquid nitrogen are children, thus subject to all sorts of legal protections and controls. Republicans lose the abortion issue at every level in every poll, but they keep doubling down. And think about it. Think about all the mothers who have undergone IVF. Will they now be forced to implant all the embryos or maybe they're gonna be charged with a crime? Who knows, we'll see what happens. What about the embryos that have no chance of becoming full-term babies? Do mothers have to carry those to term and just see what happens? The media will now ask every Republican running from California to New York, Do you hate couples that want to have children? One in six couples have fertility issues. And somehow, Republicans in their quest to outdo each other on being crazy have ended fertility treatments in Alabama. The University of Alabama won't help prospective parents have babies because they rightfully realize their doctors could face prosecution. It's very pro-family of the Republican Party. As we said, we didn't think the abortion issue could get worse politically for Republicans. Alabama just made it hugely worse for Republicans. The questions I just brought up are the tip of the spear, literally. We'll have more on this tomorrow, including why no Republicans in Alabama have the political courage, forget the moral courage, to stand up and talk about fixing this. We'll have a lot more about this in War Notes tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon. That's our daily newsletter. Gives you a free look at the show every day at 4 p.m. Our thoughts about the most important stories of the day. You can respond to the email or give us your thoughts on social media at LelandVitter.com, WarNotes.com to subscribe for free. Michael Furman writes on Twitter at NewsNation. I just watched Leland Vitter's segment about migrants being able to spend $64 per day per person for food. It's taxpayer money. I've seen tweets about people joking about leaving the U.S. and coming back as a migrant. It's no joke when a family of four 
can get up to $94,000 a year of taxpayer money. That's the point, Michael. It's not a joke. Sanctuary cities and right to shelter sound great till illegal immigrants get a better deal than working class Americans. We pointed out last night, $64. That figure comes from a Boston TV station. When local news starts following the money about the migrants, you know it's a big story. In response to an Instagram reel about last night's segment on the trans basketball player injuring girls on a team, Rob Tabak writes, the parents of the girls hurt should sue the school for child endangerment for not providing a safe environment to play in and endangering their welfare. You may have a point, Rob. Sadly, when common sense fails, we must look to the courts for fairness. The focus is shifting in girls' sports from the rights of a single trans kid to the rights of all the girls on the field. Ken responded to yesterday's war notes saying, keep up the effort to get fairness back in girls' sports where biological males and girls' uniforms is not allowed. Any thinking person should see that. Allowing this is actually discrimination against female athletes. Ken, we thank you. We report the facts. You keep up the effort to fight for what is right. In response to an Instagram reel about Charles Barkley's comments on San Francisco crime, Noah Lotz, the reason crime is down in San Fran is because they no longer prosecute for crimes in San Fran, and good point. Barkley pointed out you need a bulletproof vest to walk in San Francisco. Crime in San Francisco, crime anywhere, it's a little bit like the economy. Politicians can tell you lots of things with statistics. Things are so great in the economy. Crime is down. But both of those things are personal feelings. It comes down to how we all feel. Sean replied to War Notes, Mr. Vitter, I watch your show every night. I enjoy having agreements and disagreements. I'm still working on getting my parents to become watchers. You and everyone at News Nation have inspired me to stay involved in politics and our government. So I thank you. I love to get hair tips on how my hair can be like yours. No, we actually got this email. Sean, thanks for watching. Thanks for not always agreeing. That's the point. We appreciate you telling your parents and your friends since you asked. Years ago, my mother gave me Anchor Made Pomade. It's from Duke's Cannon Supply. It was a stocking stuffer. It was a gag gift. I tried it. That was many, many years ago. I've been using it ever since. With that, I turn it over to the only man with better hair in television, Chris Cuomo, on deck from New York. Hey, everybody, I'm Chris Cuomo, and we have breaking news on our watch once again. President Biden says he may issue an executive order to shut down the southern border. On what authority and why now? We have answers to both of those questions, and you may not like them. Here's a hint. Welcome to the game. And a second example of lawmakers playing to political advantage instead of to your 